This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 36. This is Writing Excuses. Coming back with another Mice Quotient episode, Deep Dive into Milieu. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Ciel. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Mary Robinette. And we are back with the second episode of this new masterclass, uh, where we are going to dig really deep into milieu. So Mary Robinette, this is your class. Very quickly, catch us up on uh, what we're doing today. All right. So we're going to look at milieu. So milieu is a fancy French word of saying place, but it just made the the uh, acronym better. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be looking at how stories are driven by a sense of place. Uh, milieu stories are all about thresholds and environments. In these stories, they classically start when a character crosses a threshold and that threshold represents a transitional period in the character's re uh, relationship with the location. And then again, in a classic milieu story, we end when the character succeeds in exiting their transition and ending their journey. So what this means is that you can start something in one place, like you can start by, um, say, entering a spaceship and then exiting the spaceship, and that spaceship is the milieu. Or you can start by, say, exiting New York City, driving across country, and then entering San Francisco. And the drive across country is the milieu. So you do not have to, that the threshold you cross does not have to be the same every time. I have a quick question because when I was thinking about stories about places, just because of the way that my silly brain works, I was like, oh, do you mean like heist stories? Heist stories, yes. Heist stories have a very strong milieu component because it is all about getting in and getting back out again. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I was, you know, I was like, you mean like leverage? Because yeah. they're always like, there's always the thing where they have to get into a location, succeed at the thing that they need to do in that location, and then get out again. I mean, there are other things that are going on in the story, but um, that, you know, that's what we came for. That's what it says on the tin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, it. That's I would, a, I would suggest uh, survival stories fit into mm -hmm. this really well. Uh, stuff like Die Hard and Jurassic Park. You enter a dangerous location and then you have to live through it. And then the story ends when you successfully leave. Does this mean that Annihilation has to be a milieu story by this definition? That is correct. Um, which makes me think also about my idea that Annihilation is kind of a nice way to satisfy the itch of um, this the popular like science fiction kind of story structure of here is a new planet that we are going to check out and you know it's going to have all these great things and this is like star trek the original series was all about this um and the 
other thing that I was thinking of just flew out of my mind. So give me a moment. I'll try to remember it. But but these are these are exactly the things. And and one of the things that um, that I'm going to point out is uh, that that with leverage uh, and Star Trek, that these are often coupled with event stories, that there is a status quo element that they are attempting to shift in addition to navigating this place. So when you're looking at, when you're thinking about the milieu and you're thinking about these examples that we're tossing out, concentrate in your mind on the the conflicts that are around the place versus the conflicts that are around the uh, the shift in status quo. One of the things that's cool with um, with things like uh, leverage is that that shift in status quo is often the excuse for the for the milieu exploration. So when I was talking earlier about uh, in in the first episode about a light frame or a minor thread, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Whereas in Star Trek, um, the the navigation of the space varies. A lot of times, it is that they are trying to you know, write some terrible wrong, and that's your major thread. But it varies episode by episode. I just remembered what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the the movie Labyrinth because that basically, like, it's a it's a milieu story because you have to. She has to get through the labyrinth to rescue her brother. Um, but. Also, the labyrinth is a symbol where she is basically going through a personal transformation. <laughs> so as she goes through the labyrinth, she is discovering herself. Yes, that is a great example. Indeed. So is that, and, and maybe this is, I don't know, let me, let me start my question over. Uh, is that something you would describe as a nested story, that it is a character story uh, framing a milieu story. Yes. Um, And the reason that I kind of prevaricated a little when I started the question is I thought, well, how important really are these definitions? And then I thought, well, very important because we're doing eight episodes about them. Um, (laughs) So one thing that I say to people a lot of the time is you don't need to really stress about, you know, these very granular definitions of, of specific writing things. But this is a case where we are. And so let me just ask, what do we gain by the revelation that, yes, the labyrinth is actually a milieu nested inside of a character? What, what does that teach us and how does that help us when, when we get that specific with it? So at the beginning of Labyrinth, um, she's faced with a couple of problems. Uh, she's trying to get the baby to sleep. She wants to spend time for herself. The the thing that she winds up needing to solve is getting the baby back, right? And getting out, which she solves by getting out of the labyrinth. But the thing that she is not spending time on is trying to get the baby to sleep. Like, she's not spending time on trying to entertain her little brother. None of that is important. And the that the 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 mice quotient helps us decide what thing we are focusing on. So that's that's the thing that it's doing. Um, the, in, in, um, trying to think of another good example of of a thing where it's like, we could have, oh, here's, uh, let me use Wizard of Oz again. At the beginning of Wizard of Oz, 
when Dorothy uh, runs away, she she winds up at Professor Marvel's, and he says to her, "You don't have to go looking any further for adventure than your own backyard." Had she taken that advice and gone home, story would have ended right there. So what the mice quotient can help you do is decide not to resolve a conflict because you need it to keep going through the entire story. Does that make sense about yeah. its utility? Yeah, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I would further say, uh, and you covered this a little bit in the first episode, knowing that there is a character conflict wrapped around our milieu conflict helps you know when the story is over as mm-hmm. well. If Labyrinth ended when she escaped the Labyrinth without having learned anything, like C said, you know, it's about her kind of finding herself and learning who she is. And if we didn't get that res- resolution and we just get the triumphant, yay, we got out of the Labyrinth, it would feel unfinished. Yeah. Uh, the example that was given to me when when this was first explained to me is um, if you're reading a story and it begins as a mystery and there's a dead body on the floor and the detective comes and he's talking to the widow and uh, over the course of the novel, the detective and the widow fall deeply and passionately in love and the story ends with them getting married and living happily ever after, but you never find out who did the murder you would track the author down. <laughs> hey, murder. Murder. We need to know. Clearly the detective did the murder because he wanted to meet this hot widow. Right. Oh or, or the hot widow did it because she was wanting to meet the detective. I mean, yeah. we don't know. We don't uh, know. We'll never and, know. And that's, that's what it does is it helps you identify those things that the reader is just going to be gnawing their arm off because you didn't answer the question that you raised at the beginning. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Well, I'm going to continue this discussion a little bit with our book of the week. uh, Because this week we want to talk about my middle grade trilogy, The Zero Chronicles. Um, And the, the reason that we wanted to pitch this one this week is because... Each book takes a, a slightly different uh, tack on the mice quotient. So the first two are very clearly milieu stories. Zero G is about being in a spaceship, and Dragon Planet is about being on a planet. It be, the story begins, you know, effectively when they are kind of thrown out of the station the the colony where they live and they have to survive in the wilderness and the story ends when they get back to civilization and they have survived the third one though is very different uh stargazer is more about an inquiry uh there is a mystery going on what happened to the missing spaceship and the story ends when they solve it and so depending on the type of mice quotient element that you focus on, uh, it can be very different. But anyway, everyone go read The Zero Chronicles by Dan Wells, because they're amazing. 
Yes, yes, they are. Actually, I listen to them on Audible, and um, uh, and as does my dad, and we both enjoy them quite a bit. Ah, and thank you very much. Neither of us are middle grade. So there. <laughs> Fun for all ages. Um, Mary, uh, Charlotte, before the break, it looks like you had a, a thought, and I just wanted to check in with you. I did have a thought. So you mentioned that um, milieu begins when a character crosses a threshold, and it ends... Um, you end that thread when the character succeeds in exiting their transition. But can you have a milieu thread where the character does not get out of wherever it is that they are in? Is that possible? Yes, it is extremely tricky to pull off in a satisfying way. Um, so there's a uh, there's a famous play called No Exit, um, with uh, which is basically people in hell and, and it's an exploration of the idea that hell is the other is other people and and there is no exit and um and so that is an example of just like enduring the the problem with uh with these thing with with something where the character doesn't exit is that you have to hit a point where the reader understands that this is really final and understands why they have given up trying. Otherwise. And, and that's difficult to do in a... Go on. Otherwise, otherwise, as a reader, we'll just be frustrated and, and hate the book. Well, it's like, well, why didn't, why don't they keep, you know, why did they give up? Why don't they keep trying? Sure. Uh, is Yeah, it, it's it's a little frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, but, you know, it, it if you can deliver it as a, this is a design element, but it, it often winds up having them feel hopeless. So that's that's if it's a straight-ahead milieu. The other piece of it is uh, that I've seen it work successfully is when it is paired with a character story in which the character gets up to the point at which they could exit and then they choose not to. So the point where they have the option to leave the space means that they have successfully navigated and they have they they have the solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I can get out of here. But they choose not to take it because it fulfills a character choice. And and I have seen that works uh successfully in a number of cases. Okay. Great. Thank you. I have another question really quick. Um, I was just thinking about how um, place is, as we all know, extremely important to science fiction and fantasy stories. Um, that, like, it's kind of like it's it's the the marquee feature of a science fiction and fantasy story is that it is taking you to a place that is not like where you are. Um, how? What are the markers that tell you? whether you are writing a milieu story or whether you just have a really strong setting? So for me, um, it is all about, th- th- there are three markers. Uh, there is where you start and stop the story. And then there's the the stuff that's happening in the middle. So the the question to ask is, are they trying to get out? You know, are they are they trying to, is their goal to exit? If their goal is to exit, then it's probably a milieu story. Um, there are, like, you know, a, uh, 
being in a high school, going go, walking into high school, you can treat that as a milieu story because no one's goal is to live in a high school. No one's goal is to permanently, like, to never graduate. So arguably, that is a milieu. Uh, whereas uh, someone who enters a university and wants to get a tenure track, that is arguably an event story because they're trying to change their status quo. Even though both of them are going to involve navigating elements of the place as a new place. Does that make sense? It does. Thank mm -hmm. you. And I say arguably because uh, people can argue other things. Like the, the main thing about this is that it, it really is about helping the writer make decisions about how to focus the story. And, and I should say, as we are growing into this, that I have definitely seen examples, um, and, and we've all read them, of things that do not nest and that's just fine. But I have found that if, you, if your ending is not satisfying or if, if your middle is sagging, that frequently it's because you've got a thread that is misplaced. Um, so with that, I think we should probably do a little bit of homework. I agree. So the homework that we're going to have for you, you're going to be doing a variation of this homework uh, for this for for each episode. What I want you to do is I want you to pick a fairy tale, something that that you're fond of. And the reason I want you to pick a fairy tale is because they tend to be fairly simple, but also have lots of weird extraneous elements in them. And I want you to tell that fairy tale so that it is only a milieu story. So for instance, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You know, in, in the classic Goldilocks and the Three Bears, uh, she goes out, she, um, she visits this house, she pokes around in the house, she breaks things, uh, and then bears come and she runs away. So in a milieu story, Goldilocks would go into the meadow, then she would go into the house, she would look around the house, but she wouldn't necessarily break things because that is a shift of the status quo. And then she would leave the house and the bears would never come home. She would never see the bears. She would just leave the house because she had finished exploring. She can break things. It's not that you're not allowed to have events happen, but they aren't the drivers. So the drivers are all about her exploring. It seems also like the uh, if you cut out all other mice quotient stuff, you would not have the inquiry of whose house is this? Why are there three weird things? And then answer that with the bears. And so that would just be removed completely. Exactly. Like, again, using our Wizard of Oz example, if we cut Wizard of Oz down to be just a milieu, um, Dorothy just arrives in Oz. The tornado that messes her house, that you know, messes with her the, the farm, we never see Kansas. We just see her arrive in Oz. And then we don't need to meet the Tin Man, the Cowardly Lion, or the Scarecrow because they all exist to teach Dorothy something about herself. 
We don't need the ruby slippers because that's the inquiry of how do I get out of here? And then when we get to the end, we just get in the balloon and go. So it sounds like kind of what we're asking you to do with this homework is to fundamentally break a story and make it less interesting and less effective. That is exactly what we're asking you to do with this. this. And this is why I tell you that single thread stories are usually pretty dull. Um, So I am not recommending that you tell stories this way, but I want you to be able to identify what the elements are. Perfect. Great. Well, that is going to be some exciting and... uh, different homework for you. So dig into that and we will see you next week. For now, you are out of excuses. Now go write. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, C.L. Polk, Charlotte Forfier, and Mary Robinette Kowal. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.